This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. And welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Theora. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters. And we're here to talk about it. Cheers, queers. We are back with another super fun interview. Today we are talking to the wonderful Alana Wolpert. Alana was a writer and story editor on High School Musical, the musical, the series. She also wrote the new movie, Anyone But You, in theaters now. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Alana. Oh my god, thanks for having me. So excited. We are so excited. High School Musical, the musical, the series is like Caitlin's number one show at the moment, so this is an honor to be able to talk to you. <laughs> love that. I love that. It's like, it feels like it was my, like, I mean, it was my first writer's room job ever, so it's, it's very special to me. I like love that you guys are watching it. Okay. So I'm glad that you segued us into our first question really nicely. Love it. So, so how did you get started in writing in the entertainment industry? And how did you end up working on High School Musical, the musical, the series? Um, yeah. So basically I moved out to LA after I graduated college. Um, I graduated college in 2015. I'm like, which, which like I'm old now, which is scary, but Graduated college and then moved out to LA and worked a bunch of assistant jobs. And the last assistant job I had was I worked for Rachel Bloom on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which was like just the greatest thing ever. It was the best job ever. And I, that was sort of the job where I was like, okay, I think I had been trying to write things and I was sort of like, okay, I think I know the things I want to write. I think I know what my voice is. I think I feel surrounded by people who if I showed them my writing, they would be encouraging and helpful and, and not um, negative and, you know, tell me that I couldn't do it, uh, which I had experienced in the past. So I was just like, okay, I feel like this is such a good environment and I'm going to figure out the things that I want to say. And it was just like the best sort of incubator for, for learning and for talent. And I worked on, worked on the show for Rachel for about a year and a half. And during that time, sort of towards the end of the show filming, I had written basically like a, um, we call it like a spec, but it was like, like an original pilot that I had written that I was going to, you know, use as my sample to try to get people to know me, get people to hire me, get people to meet with me, et cetera. And I had a friend who um, was like, you know, on her way up to being an agent and she read it and some, and ended up sending it to someone which spiraled just like, a whole slew of meetings for me, which was really exciting because, you know, I was 25 and now I was getting meetings as a writer. No one had taken me seriously as a writer at this point. It was very, very cool and exciting. 
and then um, ended up selling that script as a pilot to the CW in 2019. And almost right after that, that pilot helps me get staffed on High School Musical. It was sent to Disney. And when uh, the show got picked up for season two, it had gone to Tim, our showrunner, and to and to Disney, and they read it and brought me in for a meeting. And um, then I got hired, which is just incredible and so exciting. And as, as soon as I went into the meeting and I left, I was like, oh, this feels like, I, I really feel like this is going to happen. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be pissed. But I like have that <laughs> feeling that it's going to happen. But, yeah. That's amazing. And then they are so lucky to have you on their writing staff. <laughs> I miss it. I mean, we're done. We've been done for like a year now. Um, and, you know, season four came out in August over the summer, but uh, the actors were on strike. The writers were on strike. It was such a weird time. We didn't get to have, you know, a little premiere party and, and we knew it was the end of the series. So we didn't really get to celebrate. It was just so such a weird time for it to come out. But so proud of the series generally and just, you know, happy that um, we got to sort of end on their own terms, which is really special. You mentioned the pilot uh, that you sold to CW. Is there anything going on with that? No, it's dead. Aww. <laughs> I, I was wondering because I was trying to look it up. Yeah, so there's there's an article about it when I sold when I sold it about a year after I sold it. Actually, they like released an article being like this was sold, and I was like, uh huh, it was. <laughs> um, it, it's so, um, and I've sold a few pilots now along the way in my career, and. Um, all of them are, are dead. And, you know, what's dead will never die. Like, I still have people, you know, years later who are like, whatever happened with that one pilot? Like, can I see it? Maybe we want to buy it and and see if we can develop it. And then I send them and they're like, oh, yeah, just kidding. We don't want to do it anyway. Yeah. So it's like, it's truly like, all, you always get your hopes up and then and then they're dashed. But with this one at the CW was, it was really lovely because I got to develop it with, with Rachel and with another producer. But um working with Rachel in that capacity was so fun and special. And she's, you know, we still work together. She's one of my closest friends and we still love collaborating. And so it was, it was nice to sort of have that transition of like, you know, I was working for you and I technically was still working for her for like a little bit of the process, but now I'm also like a writer and, you know, a person in my own right. That's not just existing there, which is cool. That's awesome. It's a rough industry. Yeah, it really is. But I'm I'm lucky. I've had I've had some good wins, so I can't complain. But it's always hard. I noticed that you have a couple of different credits, um, including story editor and executive story editor for High School Musical, the musical, the series. Uh -huh. Can you just talk a little bit about like what these different titles mean and like yeah. your role? Yeah, it's so funny because. Um, I feel like this is the one thing that when I explain to people outside of the industry, it like doesn't make any sense. They're like, why do you have these titles? You just do the same thing. And the answer is yes, basically. So when you first are hired in a writer's room as a writer, you're hired as a staff writer. That's like the lowest level writer you can be. And if you continue to move up the ranks, if you continue to do well, like Sometimes they have you repeat staff writer if there's weird budget stuff or there's weird other stuff. I don't know. But usually you move up the ranks every year if you're on the same show. And hopefully when you go to different when you go to different shows, you start on another show, they promote you accordingly. But basically you start at staff writer and then you get promoted to story editor. 
and then you get promoted to executive story editor, and then you are co-producer, and then you're producer. And that's, once you get to producer, that's when things kind of change because you have a producer credit. And so you can take on more work. You can, you can take on more work on set. You're sort of um, a little bit more, um, not like more essential, but like can take on some bigger, more responsibilities, I suppose, than when you're lower level and when you're low, like lower ranks, just because you have more experience, presumably. But none of those titles really mean anything. They're all like, you're, you're a writer in the room. Like I did the same things when I was a staff writer to when I was an executive story editor. Like I was a writer in the room. It just, it just changed. Um, it changed my pay a little bit and it changed, I suppose, like my ranking, like it's very hard to get hired as a staff writer these days because there's so many writers trying to break in, which is such a huge problem in the industry. But um, now I'm at producer level and being an upper level writer, so to speak, it's much easier to get hired for jobs because people are always looking for upper level writers, especially upper level female writers, female identifying writers, because um, it is so hard to rise up the ranks. And once you get, once you get to that level, it's like, oh, people really need someone with experience that, you know, has a specific identity sometimes and, and it's easier. So now I'm a producer, but I did start at staffing. That makes sense. Yeah. Look at you growing. I'm trying. <laughs> I know. Quite a journey in a short period of time. It, like, yeah, it is. is. Well, now I'm on a new show, which is exciting. And I can't really, I can't talk about it yet because it's not, it's not announced, but um it's a new show, also teens, also lots of music. So I'm really excited about it. I feel like a sort of, um, it's, it's like a little bit like graduation because it's not, it's not Disney anymore, but it's still sort of the things that I love, which are um, young people singing and being emotional about music. Which is-, <laughs> is it queer at all? What? Is it queer at all? A little bit. A little bit. Not as much as I would like. I'm definitely... <laughs> the gay agenda a little bit (laughs) thank you what if these people were gay and it's like well well I don't know that they're gonna be and I'm like but just like let's just like what if they were which is so funny because the first season I was on high school musical one of my best friends Natalia was that person and they were always like well what if this person was gay what if this person was gay and I was just like Natalia you can't make everyone gay and then like I came out after that season and I was like oh shit like I'm pretty gay and they were like I knew it and I it works when you tell people they're gay they have to listen <laughs> so I was pretty convinced by the end of that show that every character was a little queer so yeah good job <laughs> but also because of the it's you know it all gets influenced by the actors too and it's like you, you it all starts bleeding in together you know like my own life was bleeding into the show everyone was sort of bleeding into the show so it was just like yeah, we're all gay. Everyone's going to be gay. It's going to be great. I love it. Oh my gosh. But speaking of High School Musical, the musical this series, what was your writing process for that show? Like, did the writers kind of get a say in each episode or was there like kind of like a lead that like took charge? Like, how did that kind of work? Um, So really, so really, so Tim, our showrunner, so I came on season two and when I came on season two, it was um, the end of 2019, a blessed time when we did not know what horrors we had ahead of us. So it was my first writer's room. I was going into the office every day. It was so exciting. And we would sit in a room and we would we would talk. Like we sort of had every episode on the board and all the characters' pictures up above the board. 
and we would sort of plot out the season. And in, in season two, we had 12 episodes. So we had a lot more than, than usual. In three and four, we had eight each. So it was a much shorter season. And we actually did seasons three and four on Zoom, which, you know, did make it a little bit easier. We had a slightly smaller writer's room and we did everything on like an online program where we plotted things out. So it was a bit easier and um, just, you know, in terms of, I think if we had done 12 episodes on Zoom, it would have been a little bit harder just generally, but yeah. we did 12 episodes season two and um, yeah, Tim would sort of lead the discussion and we would, we would spend time um, sometimes talking about like characters and, you know, getting to know the characters and breaking out their stories. Sometimes it would be a specific episode. Sometimes we'd be talking about the musical and what what everyone's parts were, how all of that was, what was that going to mean for them? Some days we would talk about music specifically and like what, what songs from the shows that we wanted, what songs from either OG High School Musical, what songs from, you know, Camp Rock in season three or, um, or what original songs, anything. And, um, you know, in season two in my episode specifically, the first one I ever wrote for TV, it was like, okay, we know Olivia's going to, write a song here and she's going to sing something here. So let's just write like a bunch of buzzwords and let's write up a document so that she knows sort of what to write for this placeholder that we have. And let's like work on that today. So every day was different. It was so much fun. And, but Tim, you know, our showrunner was really the one who, who led every day, who decided what we were doing. And occasionally we would break out into different rooms and other writers would have, you know, take charge over breaking an episode or breaking a character's story. But yeah, every day, every day was different. That sounds like a lot of fun. It does. Were there particular moments or scenes that presented, like, were challenging to write? And any that gave you, like, an opportunity to play around? Oh, wow. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I suppose, like, I know, you know, we break out the episodes and before I go off to script for any episode that I'm writing, as a group, we have decided what the stories are going to be. We've just, we've worked on the outline. We know every beat, like I'm not going off and just like coming up with ideas um, blind. It's all very planned. And if I turned in something that no one, you know, if we had had a whole outline about like auditions and I turned in all like an episode that was about like a spaceship, everyone would be like, what are you doing? Like, just really makes sense. And now it's more work for us. But I would say, you know, by season three, we'd already done two kind of auditions episodes and we were at summer camp now and I was tasked with writing, um, I was tasked with writing the audition episode in season three and I was sort of like, I don't know how to do this in a different way that feels different than everything we've done because, sorry again about the dog. He always like finds a squeaky toy whenever I'm on Zoom. Of course. Really good. But yeah, so I think I think that was a little bit difficult because we had talked about sort of what that process could look like. We wanted to make sure that it didn't feel tired or that like enough people had had stories and enough to do. And I'm really proud of that episode. I think I think it went like pretty well. And it was so fun to do it in a summer camp setting where there was like all this new stuff and um there's a very meta joke at the beginning of uh my episode in season three um about the the documentary that they're doing about calling it like it's it's something like frozen the musical the documentary or something very meta that 
we were sure that Disney would tell us to take out because it was too referential. And they were like, we think this is so funny. You can keep it in. And I was like, that's a win for me. It's because you said Disney pluses. Yeah. Frozen, the musical, the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Why I remember all these lines, I don't know. (laughs) So true. They were like, okay, if you're, if you're plugging us, then that's good. But yeah, it was just, it, it was funny. There was a lot of stuff that I slipped into that episode too. Um, that I so thought would get flagged or I thought like, but they let us be a lot more daring when we got towards when we were like in season three and you know, whatever there's, um, a lot more, like a lot more, not like, I guess, suggestive jokes maybe. And season three just gets so gay. And so I'm really proud of, proud of a lot of that work. So yeah. Always fan of more gay. Yeah, but I agree. We had a whole discussion about we, we've discussed all the all the seasons, and I I feel like season three it really became its own thing. So yeah. it's nice to hear you say that. It's kind of confirmation that like you guys had more freedom in season three to kind of. Like, I think so whether we knew it or not, I think yeah. we we're just trying things and seeing if they yeah. were going to go through. Because even on Crazy Ex Girlfriend, like we would have standards and practices flag things all the time for us, um, certain things you can't say, and you know all that. So. Um, it was fun. Season season three was a lot of fun, and and going to camp and filming in LA was so much fun too. So that was really special. Uh, Caitlin, I'm going to jump a question because the segue is really good. Uh, did your experience at camp influence the way you wrote your episode in season three? Since we're on season three in the camp, I'm just curious. My experience at my own summer camp. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I had a very specific camp nickname, and we brought that into the show, and um, I. You know, what else, what else happened at camp? Just like specific traditions, the camp outs, all this like specific stories, the way that people get close or interact. Um, I also have like a very tragic camp musical story where um, I was in, I was in Oliver. I mean, this doesn't happen in the show, but I feel like this experience just informed everything. But I was, uh, we did Oliver at my all girl summer camp when I was 13. And I was cast as the rose seller, which is like the person who opens who will buy. They go like, if you know Oliver, it's like, who will buy my sweet red roses? Like they start the song. I was very excited. And then halfway through the summer, the theater director decided that I couldn't do it. And so he demoted me and he switched my part with my friends. And so I had to be the knife seller or the knife grinder. I'm sorry. So instead of singing like, who will buy my sweet red roses and opening the song, I had to just go every like four lines. I just had to say like knives, knives to grind, like that tone. And I was so devastated. And I had like already written my friends and family about how I got this like great part. And it was like a turning point in my acting career. (laughs) And then I had to be a knife grinder. I was so upset. I think you posted that on Instagram. I did, yeah. I, I, um, so, so Rachel Bloom did a show, um, back in 2019 called Theater Kid Redemption Night. And it was basically like people came up and told their like sad theater kid stories or triumphant theater kid stories and, you know, got some sort of redemption on stage. And I don't, I'm not a performer and I don't really do that, but I was like, I will go up and I will tell my rose seller story and I will get redemption. I will sing the knife grinder part, like the way that I wish I had sang it when I was 13. And so, so I did that and I had so much fun. Um, and it's so funny because a friend of mine who ended up writing on high school musical was at that show. And this was before I was hired on the show. 
and she saw that performance and she was like that seems like someone I'll be friends with and then I ended up in we ended up in the room together and now she's one of my closest friends and she was like I was right like that's yeah that's cool I feel like everyone has a sad theater story of course yeah and also like yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I was never, I was never the lead or anything. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't getting demoted in that way. But I just really felt like I was on the up and up, and my dreams were were dashed. Who, if I had saved the rose seller, who, you know, my career could be so different. I could, you know, maybe I would be on Broadway. You never know. Who knows? It's <laughs> just that one little thing. Yeah. Butterfly fact. Yeah. Were there? Nope. I already asked that one. Is there anything you really wanted to happen in the show, but it didn't make it in? Hmm. Well, I, and I know Tim's talked about this too, but the end of season two was originally so different and we changed it all because of COVID because it was just so, so tough to film. And I wasn't on set for any of this, but um, basically the end of season two was going to be a huge Menke award episode um kind of like the jimmy awards it was going to be this you know they were all at this big convention center with this huge stage and everyone was going to be running around and there was going to be all this stuff like someone was going to get locked in a closet and not be able to perform and there was going to be there were all these stories and stuff that we had and then basically (laughs) who's stuck in a closet who needs to come out i think me was gonna get stuck in a closet like i for i totally forget why like it was just she was just gonna get like stuck and couldn't perform but um Basically, and then like Ashlyn was gonna win a Mankey for being Belle, and it was gonna be this whole time. But basically, <laughs> I, I know. And we, the whole episode was written and everything too. And basically, like, I mean, the end of season two was really tough. Like, um, I know, like Josh has talked about this. Like, he got really sick. Like, every people were getting COVID. They kept having to shut down. And Tim basically made the executive decision of like, this is how I wanted to end the season but I need to get everyone out of here. So we are just gonna, we're just gonna do whatever we can do. That's the easiest thing to shoot. Yeah. Right now. And I like, so I, I so understand and respect that decision because he did what was best for everyone's mental health and everyone's physical health for that matter. And, you know, obviously like he misses that. We all miss that episode. Like maybe one day we'll like, you know, we'll shoot it and get back together. But at that time, it was so not feasible to shoot. It would have cost so much money. It would have been so many extras. Like we had all this stuff that, so in a perfect world, we would have seen that finale. And, and I was so excited about that, but it, it wasn't the time, unfortunately. So yeah. Darn. Ashlyn really deserved that monkey. Right. <laughs> but she know, burning the results in a pizza oven worked too. <laughs> Yeah, and then that joke came back too. Like it's you know it still worked. It's still funny, and I, you know, I still. Um, but we all we all know that um, a little air came out of that season at the end, and it makes us sad that we couldn't um, have done it the way we wanted. But you know, who could have thought of a global pandemic? Right, uh, unprecedented times, and you guys, you know, you made it work. So that yeah. that is a feat in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but I know that's the main one that that we yeah. we wished could have happened. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so speaking of like writing for the show, were there any characters you like found that when you were writing for them, you connected very easily to them, or characters that you found really challenging to kind of connect with when you were writing? 
Um, I I weirdly found I love writing for EJ. I thought writing for EJ was so much fun. Uh, I mean, I just I I feel like I wrote a lot of jokes for him in season three, and I um yeah I love I loved I loved EJ. There were you know we all had our own alliances to romances and stuff in the in the writers' room, which was fun. But um, <laughs> I did I did love writing for him. And I, I love writing for Ashlyn. That's the obvious answer, but that was that was the one that came the easiest to me. And I was usually tasked with um, tasked and also chose to work a lot on her stories. And um, even from the beginning, was always the character I connected with the most. I think like I watched before my interview for the show. I watched two episodes. I watched the pilot and I watched Homecoming. And I don't even think they said Ashlyn's name in either of the episodes. And when they asked me, like, who my favorite character was, I was like, who's the girl playing Miss Darvis? I don't know her name, but she's my favorite. I love her. And they were like, oh, Ashlyn. I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, I did watch them twice. Like, I am not just being ignorant. Like, I'm pretty sure we haven't said her name yet (laughs) just because I missed it um, in the, you know, other four episodes. So, yeah. Yeah, we we definitely needed more of her in season one, but we we got there. Yeah, well, I wasn't there, so that's why. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a lot of wasn't there, so we don't have enough Ashlyn. Yeah. Um, I I just have a big question. Yeah. Why was Big Red shipped off to Cairo? <laughs> it's so funny that he was. Um, we wanted to we we really wanted to foster Ashlyn and Maddox's storyline. And that was something I, I took really seriously and I, I really was like, you know, the biggest advocate for it, obviously. And we didn't want Big Red to leave, but it was kind of for for story purposes, for character purposes, we sort of needed him to go somewhere. But it's so funny because because the actor had that same question for me, like when he came into town, we were like all at dinner and he was like, so why am I in Egypt? And I was like, I can't tell you why it's Egypt, but I could tell you like from a character perspective, why you had to leave for a little bit. It's just like the place is so random. I think I like, for some, I think Tim found it so funny and it is, it is funny that it's Egypt for some reason, but I think I changed it once in a script. He just changed it right back. He was like, <laughs> I think I changed it to Italy because I was like, he works in a pizza restaurant. And I was like, oh, he would love to be in Italy. No, he has to go to Egypt. <laughs> Egypt. Okay. So funny. That is not the big question I thought you were going to ask me, but it's so funny that it was. What question did you think I was going to ask? <laughs> Uh, well, okay. Okay, wait. I might have a big question. Let's see. Question. Well, you can be the judge. Okay. If there was a season five, what would you want to happen? Oh my gosh. I mean, I have thought about this. What would I want to happen? I mean, I would want everyone to have their like their senior year kind yeah. of vibe. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there are so many musicals. I wish we could do that. Would be so much fun. But, but there were so many reasons like that we couldn't do musicals or, you know, it was always, it was always going to have to be, um, like we, we can't get licensing for like so many things basically. It's not Disney. So it's, it's hard. It limits you. Um, I guess in the next season, you know, I, I really, I was always a really big Ricky and Mimi like defender. I really, really wanted them to have 
to have their like to have something to sort of like resolve basically to have a moment to resolve and and I and I did um the moment where um Mimi gives Ricky the lottery ticket is something that I wrote that I was like really like passionate by I was like they need some sort of ending if if she's leaving like if she's gone we have to sort of know that she hasn't stopped caring about him that the relationship still meant something to her she knew about the list you know whatever so that was that was important to me so I would have wanted some of that I would have wanted um like a big fun show I would have wanted um to switch up to switch up the leads a little bit um I would have wanted to see um you know some some more people um get get the lead like we all you know we have that joke of Ricky always getting the lead and like I want to see him not get the lead and I yeah that was my version of season five as well yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and instead like I don't know Jet like Jet gets it or or someone else and I don't know so more Jetomatics like I really really loved those characters those were really fun additions to season three and I just was I was so happy to have them come back for season four I thought that was really important and I love I love Miss Jen and I was always pushing Miss Jen and Mazzara I love I love that relationship and and um you know I know I know lots of fans love Gina and Ricky but I would I would like to see them like I would like to see them go through it a little bit and um you know figure out figure out what like the the future holds for them but also um, you know, we sort of presented another love interest for Gina in season four. I would have loved to see maybe another love interest for Ricky in season five and, and how that, you know, affects them. And I'm trying to think, I sort of like turned my brain off after, after we finished. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to like get upset that we can't do anything else. And, you know, but yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My uh, version was that they did the prom and Miss Jen makes Maddox audition too. And so then it's Ashlyn and Maddox as the leads. Oh, that'd be so good. They'd be so good in that song. Ugh. Right. The prom would be, the prom would be a really fun one, especially like I really, um, you know, I, I really wanted to do a, a senior prom and it's just like, we don't have time for it. Like we got to do our Halloween episode. We were so yeah. happy to do that. Oh, that's it's, such a great episode. Yeah. But, but prom and doing the prom, I mean, good idea. <laughs> on that, we'll call on theme. Yeah. please <laughs> uh, okay so this is a not about the show mm-hmm. i like to do a lot of research for interviews uh-huh okay so that's what i'm gonna preface this with okay i saw an article that you wrote where you talk about being obsessed with googling your name <laughs> yeah so given the amusing experiences you shared in the article and discovering your name twin i'm mm-hmm. curious do you still find yourself googling your name i do but now it's like it's for different reasons it's because i'm trying to look up something about the movie and that i wrote <laughs> so it's like i'm like did anyone make me a wikipedia page and so i'll google my name and see if anything happens but um but also too i like, actually looked into it 
Thank you. Um, I don't know how to do it, so I need someone. Someone, you're not allowed to write your own. I don't, someone yeah, else has to do it. And I was like, I don't think I, you know, could could get someone to do it. I um. So I've and I've looked it up too, just because like press has been coming out about the the movie that I wrote, and so I've been looking to see like if my name comes up and stuff. So I just will, small searches sometimes, but I'm very pleased to note that enough stuff has happened to me that I've sort of pushed the other Alana Wilbert, who's now retired. So she's really losing. Um, I've pushed her down in the Google search. So I've been very, very proud of myself. Yeah. And yeah, I it's it's mostly you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I I wanted to just talk about that because like I used to do that when I was younger too. Yeah. And like, I'm the one who introduced my friends to them. I'm like, let's look up your name. And like, my name was just like, it never came up. Now there is stuff, but. Yeah. Well, my friends yeah. all had really like, had a lot more comedians. So. Because we were, you know, Jewish girls growing up in South Florida, and we all, like, you know, my, my, one of my best friends was Caroline Epstein, and there's, like, a million of them, you know, like, she just, she, she had no, and we hadn't done anything yet, so it was just, like, there was nothing, nothing there, but yeah, that was, that was a fun one to write, I wrote that for, um, my very dear friend Amy Solomon edited and put together this book called Notes from the Bathroom Line, and I wrote that for the book, and then, um, Hayama, like, excerpted it to sort of, um preface the the book coming out which was really cool and nice but also I did I did get like a hate tweet from someone who I guess knew the other woman Mm. and was like was like do you know how disrespectful this is like do you understand like how hard this woman has worked and like how you like demean her to her looks and I was like no it's like I'm making fun of myself that that's what I was talking about I would never like criticize someone for their look like I was just like I'm not going to go into it with this woman, but it was very sad. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just like, once I read that, I was like, I relate to her. <laughs> I just, because you were talking about like, figuring out who these people were and learning about that. And I love learning about people and seeing how much I can find on the internet. The internet yeah. is a scary place. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love to research. Love to do that. <laughs> All right. So we've had a secret guest on the podcast this whole time. And for those who are listening on the audio, you cannot see, but it's your dog who's being very cute oh, on the couch yeah. right now. <laughs> and and we, we are huge animal lovers, um, particularly dogs. So can, can you tell us a little bit about, about Ella, our secret guest? This is Ella. She's so sweet. She's asleep right now. She is... I got her um, summer of 2020. I'm still living with roommates. They were very kind to except um, me deciding to become a dog owner into their midst. And we all sort of like very full house vibes, co-parented her together for a little. And until we all, you know, moved out last year. And she is a half boxer, half many different shepherd mix. She's very sweet. Her name is Ella Fitzgerald. That is the name that the rescue gave her. And I kept it because she's so sweet. I also have a portrait of her behind me. That I was just given by um, the friend's mom, which was very sweet. So, but she's just the best, and she's like sure my dog. So, oh, yeah, you have it too. <laughs> it's so important to have art of your dogs, like it really is. So, but she's just the sweetest, and like she's such a good litmus test of people. Like she's very, she does not like strangers coming in, and she's very like. Um, I uh, was was dating someone a while back, and. Uh, she came into the house and Ella just, and, and I mean, this was like a lovely person. Like there is nothing wrong with this person. We are still in touch. She's t- perfectly lovely. 
Ella was like so protective, did not stop barking at her the entire time she was over. And then basically like we sat down on the couch and Ella sat between us and just growled at this girl literally for like 30 minutes until she was like, I think I should just go. And I was like, I guess so. Like this isn't going to work apparently. And that was our last date. Oh, no. so, I was like, this is not gonna work out. Ellen, yeah, Ellen knew something I didn't, and she was right. Unfortunately, like it wasn't the person for me, but um she was just like, Yeah, she just knew. No. Like, Intuitive. I really want to hug Ella. Ella looks so cute. Yeah, she's a really good girl. She's just a sleeper now. She was barking at people going by earlier. And then she and then she she passed out. <laughs> what else is there to do? You have to bark at everybody life. that goes by. That is her life. She <laughs> loves it. Okay, so I found something else on the internet. Mm-hmm. I found something from 2008. And oh I absolutely God. loved it. <laughs> oh, I go, I try to find us. What did you find from 2008? Uh, so you were part of the first generation to start Project 1841 that helps raise funds and collects donations for starter kits for teens aging out of the foster system. Yeah. Project 1841 is now in its sixth generation. How does it feel to have been part of creating such a lasting impact in your childhood community? It's amazing. I can't believe we're on six generations. That makes me feel so old, but um, it was like such a special thing to be part of. I mean, my, um, I, it was like, you know, for four years, like a huge, huge, huge part of my life. And I, um, am just like really glad that it's still continued. And I, you know, my mom is still a little bit involved in it because she still lives in the community and she's still in touch with people that we worked with it at ChildNet, which is the, you know, foster care system in Broward County. And my, my aunt and uncle are foster parents and they're very involved with the foster community in South Florida. So um, I feel very good that like my family is still is still part of it even when I can't be. But I'm so proud that that started. I'm very like touched that you found that. That was that was a really special special thing, and also really dates me that I you know did something sort of impactful in 2008. I feel ancient. You were in high school. I was in high school. Yeah, it's it's really just because like my girlfriend was born in 2000, and so when when you do the math, sometimes it's really hard for me to. Like we watched Twilight recently and she goes, oh, I was eight when this came out. And I was like, oh, I can't, I went to see it and my friend drove me because we were in high school. I'm going to just like take a gun to my head at this point. Like this is, this is I can't hear it. I do that on the podcast all the Kayla time <laughs> because uh, the largest age gap is 14. And then Theor and I have a nine year age gap. So with, especially with technology now, things are so different even from a few years. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's when you're a little one, making people feel old. Yeah. It it really it really dates things when you think about it. But yeah. All right. I promise this question will not age anyone in any way, shape, or form. This is everyone will relate to this. Okay. So as a Swifty myself, um, I found out that you are as well. So yes. Yeah. Um, I just I wanna know, do you have a favorite era in honor of the Eras tour? Wow. I mean, yes and no. I think it yeah. it keeps changing, but yeah. um, I mean, I've just, you know, I went to the Speak Now tour. I like have, I really, I've been there since the beginning, but 
I, you know, I love reputation and the reputation era at the tour is so good and so special that it really just renewed my love for reputation. But I went through a really big, like, reputation renewal phase um, in 2020 where all I did was listen to reputation. Like, I, it was like reputation folklore evermore, like, just truly on repeat. And I that, that was my vibe. But, um, but yeah, I love reputation and I love, I really love folklore and evermore. Like, oh those, those are just really special to me. And, um, yeah. So I guess that's, that's my answer. That's a good answer. You'll, you'll go through another reputation, like love era. I sure, I'm sure when she re-releases oh, it, of so course. it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Cause like I, I, every time she releases, um, like a Taylor's version, I always am like, you know, get back into the album. It's so, it's yeah. fun to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Theora has been working on turning me into a Swifty yep. because like I knew the, some of the music, but not Theora level. Like, we have a whole episode that's, like, not even the main episode that we're going to be filming about uh, queer themes in her music. Ah. But I got to see the movie with Theora, and it was really cute. That's fun. Uh, seeing oh, Theora watch it. That's so <laughs> but it was also really good. Like, that concert, I, I, I'm jealous you got to see it in person. It was really, it was so cool. And it was really, like, one of those free things where, like, I, I got two tickets, like, at normal price. And I was, nice. like how did I, and we were so close. I was like, how did I do that? Like, that was amazing. But it was so, it was so much fun. And like, you know, my girlfriend is not a Swifty and she really studied up before the concert in a way that I appreciated. And um, I got her really into Taylor during midnight, when Midnight's came out. Um, so that was, that was special. That's good. That's when, you know, it's, it's true love when they work for something that you yeah, she had like a playlist and she was listening like she knew all the words like more than I did because she like literally studied she took it so seriously I was like oh my god thank you appreciate that I love that okay uh you also have a new movie that you wrote uh that is currently in theaters called anyone but you can you tell us a little bit about that project and how it came to be oh my god it's I still can't believe that we're we're at that point where it's like a movie in theaters so exciting but basically um this one also originated a really long time ago it was um in 2019 I um had a meeting with some we were both assistants at the time and it was like sort of a general meeting and we were talking about rom-coms and really hit it off we had like sort of a three-hour meeting and I was like I've always seen you know I studied Shakespeare and stuff in college it was very very deep into theater in college and um, studying like different practices. And I was an English major. So a lot of my English major stuff was Shakespeare based. I took a lot of like, you know, Elizabethan era literary type classes. And I took a lot of British novel classes and that was sort of my focus. And so I had, I said to this person in the meeting, like I've always seen much to do about nothing as like the perfect modernized like rom-com in the same way that She's the Man is a wonderful modernized movie based on Twelfth Night and 10 Things I Hate About You is Taming of the Shrew. I was like, no one's done much to do about nothing. It's the best comedy and it's so much fun and it's so farcical and it's so like, you know, enemies to lovers, these two people who hate each other, they have the best banter. Like it's always seemed to me like the perfect romantic comedy. And she was like, oh my God, I've always thought that too. That's my favorite play you should write that and I'll like produce it. And at the time we were like, and we'll sell it to the company that she was currently working for. And 
she left that company. She went to a couple different companies. Meanwhile, I was still writing this and she would like read it and give me notes. And it was very much just sort of like an insular process. I didn't even have like a future agent at this point. And then in 2021, um, I did have an agent and we decided to send it out to production companies. This is like the long version. We got a, we got a production company attached and they were really excited about it. And they were like, we think we're, we can make this, like we could really do this. And at the beginning of 2022, we had, we had sort of like loosely explored some actor options and none of them felt right or no one was responding. And it was like, at the beginning of 2022, we were like, okay, let's make a list of like people who we actually want to do this movie and not just people we're going to because we feel like we should, or like, we feel like they might want to do a rom-com and cause they've done some before. And we made a list of like people around the right age that we really wanted. And Sydney Sweeney was the top of the list. We were like, we want to see her do a rom-com. She seems great. Let's try to get it to her. And Sydney read the script in like five seconds after she got it. And she, um, to her assistant's credit, who like read it first and then passed it on and was like, this is good. Um, who's just the best. And then we met with her on Zoom and she was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I want to get this made. I like, let's, let's go. Like, let's do it. And she was so excited about it and so enthusiastic. And like, had it not been for her like determination to get it done and always having a place in her schedule for it, even though she was like crazy busy, we wouldn't have gotten made. So like so grateful to her and she produced it and she's just like the fucking best. And then a little bit later, and they've talked about this, but Sydney and Glenn met at the MTV Movie Awards and he presented her with an award. And she called us later and she was like, well, what about Glenn for the part? For the male lead who you know we hadn't we hadn't really found anyone who was right for it she was like well what about him and we were like well does he want to do a rom-com like whatever and she was like it doesn't matter like he should he's done them before he's amazing i just seen she just seen top gun and she was like let me like you know let me get on zoom let me pitch it to him let's send him the script like all that and then he was in and then once he was in things moved really fast because it was like okay we know what this is here's this cast of these two like incredible rising young star leads that are both insanely hot and we got a director we sold the movie all of a sudden we were in pre-production and beginning of 2023 it was flying out to australia to be on set which was so crazy so that is that is the long version of how it how it got made which is like you know just truly due to people really not giving up on it and keeping keeping it uh you know, top of the priority list. And so, yeah. And now end of 2023, it's, it's coming out. That's so awesome. That's Thank incredible. you for sharing the long version. <laughs> yeah. so to hear it all. I know it's, it's a lot of like, you know, obviously there's a lot of nuance in all of the details, but ultimately like it, it really, um, when you have someone who has that kind of star power, and I mean, producers too, like my producers were so amazing and they, always you know we're checking in and making sure we they were going out to the right talent and um you know they were just they were on it and when you have people that like really care about something and also like i i you know don't diminish the power of rom-coms it's really special and i'm like so glad that i had a group of people who cared about it so much and our cast too you know just and the director like everyone who was involved really took it seriously and it's like a fun silly movie but that doesn't mean that those movies don't deserve to be in theaters and we're having such like a crisis of rom-coms not coming out um in theaters anymore uh yes. unless they're they're big like already pre-established movie stars and 
I feel like Glenn and Sydney have have proven themselves to be movie stars, even if they haven't had those like big studio opportunities. I mean, Glenn has Glenn was a Ma- top of Maverick, and um, Sydney's been in some some wonderful movies. But like, yeah, it's just it's it's hard out there. So I'm just so glad that it's made it to this point because it's so hard to get a movie made, and I never foresee foresaw it, you know. So and you also got to go to Australia for it. I got to go to Australia. I was there for like a month, almost. Wow. They were filming for like, they were there for like four months (laughs) for a while. I only went for like a little bit, but um, yeah, it's really cool. Well, we wish you all the success with this movie. We're excited to watch it. May this revive the rom-com genre because we- Uh, I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. (sighs) All right. So that ends our question- like deep dive question kind of segment and to kind of wrap things up we're gonna jump into like a kind of a rapid fire quick couple of questions we call this the would you rather section okay are you ready yes okay so first one ella wants to play ella's really excited about this (laughs) she was ready she was she's ready okay so would you prefer to create a storyline where the characters this is high school musical yeah i'm The characters time travel to the original high school musical era or one where they imagine themselves in a different fictional universe. Oh my god. That's so hard just because like we always joke about our characters going to Euphoria and like how fun oh that would be is like that would be wild. Like Ashlyn gets wrapped up in like doing drugs with Zendaya. Like I got it. It'd be so fucking funny. But yeah, I think it's that. I think it's that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go do that. That's amazing. I, I can't. I, okay. Sorry, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And make it comedy. Be, yeah. It, so like, he sees Jacob Elordi and realizes like he's no longer the big man on campus. And they all audition for the musical and Maude Apatow like just writes them, writes them all like terrible parts and she gets like the best role. Like I'm just like, there's so many ideas. That's so good. Um, yeah. Okay, this next one is kind of our signature for the podcast. Would you rather have to get the sex talk from Miss Jen or Corbin Blue? Miss Jen. (laughs) Good answer. Yeah. Okay. Would you prefer to create a subplot where the characters discover a magical karaoke machine that makes them sing like chipmunks (laughs) or one where they accidentally swap voices for a day? Swap voices for a day. Yeah. All right. Would you rather have an actor change a few of the lines you wrote and completely nail the scene or say every word, everything word from word, but have a lackluster delivery? The first one. I always would rather have someone change something and then it'd be, it'd be great. Like I so am not married to, to anything I, I write <laughs> really. I know I some people are it. like, don't change my words. No, I so, I so prefer it. And we change stuff on set so frequently. Like we'll be, we'll watch rehearsal and then I'll be like, actually, can you say it? Can you say these, these two things instead of that one? Like for you were right, like forget it. So yeah. Would you rather win first place at a national spelling bee or win a national typing competition, renewing your title as keyboard wizard? <laughs> oh my god I feel like I am more likely to win the typing competition because I'm still a very fast typist so I'll, I'll take that I'll be a keyboard wizard so we'll, we'll get better at spelling one day yeah 
Would you rather spend the entire day with Shrek or have Thanksgiving dinner with Tom Hanks? Oh my god. Tom Hanks, of course. <laughs> Shrek would just like make me go for a mud bath and I'm like, I, I don't want to get dirty. Well, thank you. That concludes our Would You Rather section. You guys really did do that. That's very funny. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, we've, we've come to the end uh, of the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Before we officially sign off and say goodbye to everybody, do you have any final words for our listeners at home? Keep watching queer stuff. The more you watch it, the more we get to make it. And it's, it, the I mean, the stupid algorithm, it's like, but the more streams we get, the more, the more those companies are going to let us make stuff. So just, just keep watching things that have queer representation and we get to keep making them and uh, cheer them on. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Endorse that. And if you keep Wonderful watching sentiment. musical, I get more money and my dog's food is really expensive. So <laughs> you stream, stream high school musical. Uh, thank you so much, Alana, for talking with us today and your wise wisdom at the end uh we really appreciate getting to know you better and getting insight into yeah. your role in all of your projects um to everyone listening at home like alana said please stream all four seasons of high school musical the musical the series it's on disney plus and check out anyone but you in theaters now uh, and also don't forget to follow alana on social media and uh, until next time everyone hydrate for lesbian jesus and gay it up all over the place Bye. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at biggayenergypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.